Good morning, New Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church, a place where love abides, where Pastor Dontel Halls is our senior pastor. I'm your host for the Sunday School Hour, Reverend Bill Riley. Today's lesson title is Jesus Corrects and Commends John. Jesus Corrects and Commends John. Our lesson text is found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. Let me read the golden text. The golden text is found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 10. It says, For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Matthew 11, 10. Matthew 1 says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Our lesson text will be broken up into two parts. Correcting John's expectations, Matthew 11, 1-6, and correcting the crowd's expectations, Matthew 11, 7-15. Do you remember Hollybop, the great comet? of the 1979 many people around the world myself included waited with anticipation for its appearance it was promised to the one of the brightest comets ever known and would be visible for months it was indeed clearly visible but frankly i was a little disappointed instead of blazing fireballs streaking across the sky that my imaginations had built up, the actual comet was a quite tiny object. The problem, however, was it with the comet, but with my expectations. Slightly skewed or incomplete expectations can interfere with someone's thinking. A figure as swart as John the Baptist experienced this as our lessons today demonstrates to us correcting John's expectation a time to minister in Matthew chapter 11 verses 1 the previous chapter Matthew chapter 10 records Jesus lengthy instructions to his disciples before their first preaching mission throughout the region after after cautioning caution caution <laughs> I get it right. After cautioning them on how to react to various situations, Jesus sent them out in pairs in their own. A time to minister is the time when Jesus had left out on his own after he sent his 12 disciples out to minister, giving them instructions. But this is a time when Jesus was alone and he was teaching and preaching in the regions of the city. A message from John. Verse 2. Now when John had heard in the prisons the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now that's an interesting statement because after I read that several years and several times, um, you kind of get a really good understanding of who John is. John is the one who baptized Jesus. He is the one who preached in the wilderness. He's the one who's eating wild locusts and honey. He's the one who's dressed 
dressing funny. He's the one who's receiving great revelation from God. But now at this particular time, he is doubting. John, of course, is six months older than his cousin Jesus because John is the baby of Elizabeth. He was the one who leaped in her womb when Mary, pregnant with Jesus, came to visit her when John leaped in her womb for joy. Is John questioning Jesus? Or is it John's expectation were not fulfilled? At this time, John is in prison for speaking out against the king Herod on his adulterous relationship with his brother's wife. Being a speaker or being uh, a prophet of God, oftentimes people did not like when you came around. At this time, John is in prison. It's explained in chapter 14 what he's in prison for. Matthew chapter 14 says, After that time, Herod the Tretch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John. Now, as you read this from chapter 14, um, verses 1 through 2 is talking about what King Herod had did to John. He had him beheaded. And verses 3 will give you the um, steps and how it took place. It says in verse 3, it says, For Herod had laid hold on him and bound him and put him in prison for Herodian's sake, the brother's Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of the Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. It was, must have been a lap dance or a pole dance. Uh, that's a bill version. Scratch that. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. This is the dancer. And she, being before instructed of her mother, Herodias, Philip's wife, said, Give me here John the Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him into meat, he commanded it to be so. So that is the end of John the Baptist and what happened to John the Baptist. That may seem like a short-lived life, but let's see what the scripture says. Jesus says about John the Baptist. A message from John. Reports of Jesus' ministry have been coming to the ears of John the Baptist while he was in prison. Matthew says without embellishment that John heard these things in the prison. He was, in fact, locked up in Herod's dungeon. This is mentioned only briefly in Matthew 4.12. So here it is, a servant of God, a man of God who speaks for God. 
locked in a dungeon. And now he's questioning whether or not Jesus is the one. The question comes to me, and even inside our text will be answered, why did he question Jesus? John heard these things in the prison. He was, in fact, locked up in Herod's dungeon. This is mentioned only in Matthew 4:12. We learn that reasons in chapter 14 of Matthew with the report of his beheading. Herod's Antipas had arrested John for daring to speak out against his unlawful marriage to Herodias, who had been the wife of his brother Philip, whom she had left. Herod's behavior was an indirect violation to Leviticus 18:16 and 20:21, 20, and John did not shy away from saying so publicly. Which let me just interject. Um, I would I would warn you, but I would be in violation myself. If you are given a charge to speak the truth in love, then do so whether or not you're going to be liked or accepted or even at some point be physically harmed. Jesus says that you will be persecuted. And here we see the ministry of John the Baptist is one of suffering. But not only suffering, but also one of great commemoration. Why did John question Jesus? Having heard the reports of what Jesus had been doing, John sent two of his disciples to make a special inquiry. He wanted to know, was Jesus really the one who was to come or the one whom John had boldly proclaiming and baptized? Or should he and his followers be looking for another? How do you explain this unexpected crisis of confidence what caused John to start questioning things he himself had taught so ardently that's interesting because as preachers and teachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ we're oftentimes thrust into our message in other words in order for our message to be um, powerful or explainable we are ourselves have to be recipients of the message of the gospel first and foremost and in, in, in other words you can have a head knowledge of what you practice and what you preach or you can have experiential knowledge and so John is having the both and if you ask me I believe that John is having a humanistic experience some something that we all will experience in some point in our lives you know the time and when God has greatly used you whether it be singing whether it be preaching whether it be just exalting whether it be leading someone to Christ and right after you do that you go into a great crisis a great crisis of trials and tribulations and oftentimes we question whether or not you know is Jesus with us you know hey wait a minute uh, John's expectations, my expectations, uh, shouldn't Jesus should have done something about what we've been going through, what John has been going through? How come God did not intervene with um, John's experience with her, uh, her Herodias? 
How come God did not vindicate him? You see, John was a victim of his own message. And I believe it's John chapter 3. I'm sorry. I believe it's Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 7, it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this is John the Baptist, come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? This is a strong message coming from the lips of John. Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewed down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, to sh and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fans is in thy hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat unto the gardener, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. These, This is the sermon that John the Baptist preached in Matthew chapter 3 when he was baptizing in the wilderness. This is pre-Christ, right? Before Christ became into his ministry. And he's blasting out the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And this message was given to him because John was a message of fire. Although it was prophesied that Elijah would be preaching in Malachi chapter 3. But it's not, it's not Elijah, but it's the spirit of Elijah. The one with the power and the might and the conviction um, and the confidence to preach. And this is John the Baptist. So the question is, why is John questioning Jesus? It's because John's expectation was that when Jesus would come on the scene, that he would restore Israel back to the to their prominent position. He would wipe out the Roman occupation. He would remove all his his people. So this is what is questioning John. But John is also a student of the word of God, which gives us hope because there are times when we as believers and also as preachers and teachers will lose heart in the midst of the battle, in the midst of a, a trial and the circumstances. And the only thing that will restore and revive us back to our original mindset is the word of God. So what John is basically saying is there's lack of fair justice and the, the sin of the people are going unchallenged. Man, if that's, if that's not me, boy, I struggle with that. You know, we've never really came to the conclusion of where this coronavirus come from. We've never really came to the conclusion whether or not Fauci is you know, a diabolical doctor who's, who's injecting people to 
uh, have a future gender. Uh, we, we don't know. However, um, just like John, a lot of what we struggle and suffer, um, it would seem as if every minute sinful behavior, uh, homosexual gender, um, is going unchecked. Now, I don't want to be homophobia, but, you know, I had to mention that because those are some of the things that that we're seeing in our in our lifetime. Amen. John, like the Israelites, were expecting Jesus to come and to restore things back to normal. I know that's right. I'm expecting that every day. An engaging reply from Jesus. Jesus did not begin indignant or beat John over the head with rebuke. He simply instructed John's disciples to go back and report to him what they were seeing and hearing. People's lives were being changed. Jesus enumerated several specifics. Here he says, the blind people were seeing again. Lame ones were walking. Leopards were being cleansed. Deaf individuals were being were hearing. And the dead were being raised to life again. On top of all this, the poor were having the gospel, the good news proclaimed to them. These were rep- repeatedly occurring acts that John's disciples could verify. Jesus was not merely ta- talking about the kingdom, but was demonstrating its nearness through acts of divine power. The real power of Jesus answered, however, lay in the confidence that John would recognize the messianic prophecies that Jesus was alluding to. The works he listed were listed in passages such as Isaiah 29, 18 to 21, Isaiah 35, 5 through 6, and Isaiah 61, 1. The master did not need indicate where he had drawn the phrase from He knew John would get the point. Jesus was fulfilling scripture about Messiah's work and the impact. He was indeed the promised one of Israel. The Lord had one more challenge, however, for the disciples to take back to John. They were to tell and blessed is he whosoever shall be offended in me. Matthew 11, 6. The Greek term for offended speaks of putting something in a person's way that he might trip over. A stumbling block. John was not to allow his discouragement to trip him up, to put him away from faith in Jesus. Jesus was offering an embracing exhortation to persevere, to keep the faith. Correcting the crowd's expectations and they... And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? That's a question. A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they they wore soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out to see? A prophet, yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, 
Behold, I send my messenger before the face which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily, verily, I say unto you, among them they are born of woman, there have not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding that he least in the kingdom of the heaven is greater than he. And from the days of the John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffer violence, and the violence taketh by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied unto John. And if ye will receive it, this is Isaac, this is Elijah, which was for to come. He that hears to hear, he have ears to hear, let him hear. For the sake of time, let me just sum it up in what did you go out to see in the text and what it says. John the Baptist was simply a hurdle. And what that is, is whenever a king came out to make a speech, an important speech, he would send the trumpeters to come out. They would call hurdles. And they would summons the people. Whenever the people would hear the trumpeters come out, they understood that the king was about ready to preach or he was about ready to speak. And so the trumpeters would come out whenever the king uh, had something to say. And the king would speak. Hear he, hear he. The king is about ready to speak. And that is the illustration of who John the Baptist was and is. He was to prepare the way for the king of glory to come and speak. And now the king of glory is here on the scene in our text. After John the Baptist's purpose was over, he was beheaded for the sake of the kingdom. And it doesn't matter how you end up. It's what God thinks of you and how you were used. And he calls John one of the greatest men who ever lived on earth because of his mission. Wow. What a way to go. What a way to please God. And for, so for the sake of time, I'm going to cut it right here at 20 three minutes and let you ponder that practical point number one Jesus not only instructs us to serve God but also models what that service should look like number two in times of trials and in doubt we should turn to Christ not away from him number three what Christ did is key to understanding what Jesus is, what, what Christ is. I'll read that again. What Christ did is key to understanding who Christ is. Number five, God's people achieve greatness by faithfully fulfilling their God-given purpose. Number six, when God's message is proclaimed in faith and obedience, opposition and persecution are sure to follow. Amen. Well, that's it. That's all I have for you today. Hopefully it was something that you might sink your teeth in. God bless.